This is Dennis Schmundy. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Reverend Diana Burke. She is the founder and spiritual director of One Spirit Learning Alliance and One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York City. She is ordained as an interfaith minister. Diane, thank you so very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. Diane, um, let's uh, fill our readers in, uh, not, not our readers, our listeners, listeners. <laughs> fill, fill them in on um, your background. Uh, could you tell us, uh, you know, about your own spiritual journey and, and what brought you to the creation of One Spirit? Sure. I was actually raised Jewish in a conservative Jewish family and had what I considered a a pretty strong religious and spiritual background. But my understanding of Judaism from a very young age was that if there was, in fact, one God, which seemed to me to be the primary teaching of Judaism, then the whole of the human family and the whole of creation also had to be one, one family. And so my understanding from a very young age was of a very sort of universal uh, spiritual perspective and the kind of tribalism and and in-group affiliation that seemed to characterize so much of religion was just never made any sense to me. Um, I think like many people, I went through a disillusionment with organized religion and my own journey, probably from the time I went to college, turned in the direction of psychology and psychotherapy and personal growth. And I became a psychotherapist and was doing work that I found very satisfying with teenagers in a therapeutic community type setting. And then reached a point where um, I began to sense and experience the limitations of uh, emotional growth and the limitations of psychology. And although I didn't realize it fully at the time, that started me back on a spiritual search in that I sensed that there was something more, but I didn't know how to name it. My spiritual search at that point was really in the area of consciousness studies. And I also began attending uh, Unity services here in New York, where Eric Butterworth was still the minister at that time. And during a service one Sunday morning, I experienced what I felt to be a strong sense of guidance that was become a minister. And I really didn't know how to make sense out of that because I associated that 
language with Christianity, and I was very clear that I was not a Christian. So I explored a variety of possible avenues, uh, like academic divinity school programs, and it was clear to me that that was not the right direction. And I decided that if, in fact, this was authentic guidance, that the path would appear that would allow me to become a minister. Probably about a year and a half later, through a series of synchronicities, I came across uh, an advertisement for an interfaith seminary and immediately knew that that's what I had been waiting for. I became ordained and uh, was invited to become involved pretty quickly in developing the curriculum, uh, ultimately became the director of that seminary, and in 2002, shortly after 9-11, realized that I needed to leave that venue and start uh, another school, and that's when I started One Spirit. Right. Diana, let me ask you, uh, uh, when you entered that seminary, uh, was, it, uh, was the emphasis uh, a Christian emphasis? Uh, was it truly uh, interfaith? Did it, did it incorporate all religions? Uh, what was the uh, emphasis there? And then uh, was that one of the, was the emphasis different when you uh, started One Faith? One, one spirit. spirit. One spirit, rather. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, the emphasis there was, in fact, uh, on all religions. It was not a Christian seminary. It mm -hmm. was truly interfaith. Um, one of the things that was very influential for me is that in 1999, Wayne Teasdale published a book called The Mystic Heart. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he coined the term interspirituality which, as I understood it, was much more authentic to what we were trying to do. And so, in part, Starting One Spirit was really an attempt to, be, to have the opportunity to explore in greater depth this new emerging arena of interspirituality. Since you uh, mentioned it, um, it sounds like you're suggesting a, a significant difference between what we would call interfaith and what was called interfaith at the previous seminary and what uh, has come to be called interspirituality. Uh, and that was obviously that difference was part of your motivation for starting One Spirit. Can you elaborate a bit? about that difference? Yes, I think interspirituality is actually an evolution of the interfaith movement and interfaith work that began uh, probably in the last quarter of the 20th century. And it's been described that in its original form, interfaith was still much more about people having a strong, a 
affiliation and identity in one religious tradition who were interested in learning about and having respect for the teachings of the other religions. So much of interfaith work was focused on dialogue, was focused on learning about each other's beliefs, rituals, observances, um, holidays, celebrations. And, uh, but there was not a sense in the early work of interfaith of the common underpinning of all of the religious traditions in the mystical experience, the mystical ground of being that originally came to them. Uh, partly out of the work of the snowmass interreligious gatherings that Father Thomas Keating started in Colorado. Over the years, as uh, he brought together contemplative practitioners from a variety of religious traditions who developed actual personal relationships with each other and a deeper sense of heart connection and trust, what they began to recognize is that each tradition offers pathways and practices to help people tap into that deeper ground of experience, that deeper experience of unity. And that when, uh, that even if we named that experience differently, we could recognize that same experience in what people from across traditions were uh, were coming to through their practice. So interspirituality is, is far less about the narratives, the stories, the um, belief systems, and much more about the experience of unity mm-hmm. that, again, gave rise to the different traditions. And that is, in one sense, the goal of each of the traditions as well. Right. Then uh, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned Father Thomas Keating. I remember him from St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts, and I've kn- known him for many years. And um, I remember when the, in the monastery there they learned TM, and then they developed their own spiritual practice. And they, of course, in mm-hmm. their own tradition, they had many spiritual practices. At One Spirit, uh, I assume from what you said that there is... Uh, great emphasis on the mystical experience, the experience, yeah, yeah, the underlying, underpinning depth of experience that uh, religions speak about, and not so much about all the belief systems, as you mentioned. And if that is the case, what uh, specific uh, spiritual practices and techniques do you teach and offer there? Um, I would actually say that our approach includes both the esoteric, the mystical, as well as the, the exoteric study of, of the various religions, because we also feel strongly that in a multicultural world, developing a literacy in the world's religions and other people's 
ways of understanding reality and, and belief systems is also an, an essential skill, really, for a world citizen at this point. In terms of the practices that we focus on, uh, as we go through the curriculum and study each of the what we consider major world religions, we look at religions of the East, specifically Hinduism and Buddhism, the Abrahamic faiths, and then we also look at uh, indigenous spiritualities, mm-hmm. um, both African-based religions and Native American spirituality. And month by month, we ask our students to work with one or more practices that we often associate with those different traditions. So um, in some ways, that's arbitrary because pretty much every religion includes pretty much every type of practice, although different traditions have emphasized uh, some more than others. So we'll have our students explore uh, concentrative practices like working with the mantra or uh, focusing on, on the breath, loving kindness practice. Um, what, what happens when you actually create a discipline of stopping uh, five times a day as Muslims do to remember source, you know, to actually uh, not just have a, a sitting practice in the morning and the evening, but to stop five times during your day and take a moment to reconnect and remember. Um, uh, what happens in your spiritual life if you actually create Sabbath time? where you take your your own hands off the plow for uh, whether it's an hour or whether it's a day and discover that the world keeps going without your mm-hmm. uh, without your active direction of it. Um, so part of that uh, exploration is so that people can experience what each of these kinds of practices make available in the inner landscape, both in terms of developing a practice that is nourishing for them and allows them to deepen in their spirituality, but also to be able to uh, know how to be helpful in directing other people as well. The other, um, I would say that the framework that we use is um, that I personally find very meaningful is something that's being talked about now in the integral community. And they talk about four dimensions of spiritual maturity, which are waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. And waking up has to do with uh, experiencing that mystical state and the state of awakened awareness. Uh, growing up has to do with actually uh, the developmental levels that we go through in, in terms of increasing the complexity of our worldview. Cleaning up 
involves doing the shadow work, uh, the psychological work mm -hmm. that uh, allows us to see more clearly. And showing up has to do with uh, really a commitment to being of service in the world mm -hmm. and showing up to be available without imposing your own agenda on how to be truly helpful. Interesting. Diane, um, you've been at this now for, uh, I guess, 17 or so years. One Spirit has uh, grown in uh, stature, from what I can tell. And um, have, have you also had a consistent flow of uh, students coming through the seminary to become ordained? And they become ordained as interfaith ministers, I, 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 I expect, uh, as opposed to interspiritual ministers, if there is such a thing. Um, how we many people, for example... You do? I mean, we now we now uh, say interfaith slash interspiritual and allow people to use whatever language is most oh, authentic to them. Yeah, interesting. But they do become ordained. And yes. um, tell us a bit about you know um, the actual program and what it involves for students. And I'm also curious if you might just mention this. Uh, what is the demographic now of people coming mm -hmm. in? Are, are they older? How diverse is it? Uh, you're in New York City, so that you're in a diverse population, but you have people from all over the place uh, studying with you. Yes. Um, the class that is going to be starting uh, in September is actually the most diverse group we've had in terms of uh, age range, uh, racial diversity, ethnic diversity. Um, we have a lot of occupational diversity. People come in from all different kinds of work backgrounds, ranging mm -hmm. from uh, hairstylists to administrative assistants to retired police officers to psychotherapists and social workers to physicians. Um, it's really, uh, we, we've also had students who are ordained clergy in other traditions mm. who want to have the exposure and experience of a more inclusive spirituality than simply uh -huh. the this framework of their own tradition. Interesting. There are, Go ahead. Yeah, I would, I would say there are, um, there are a lot of people in the second part of their lives. A lot of people who are either uh, looking for a way to bring more meaning into the work they're already doing and more of a spiritual dimension into the work that they're already doing or looking for uh, for a shift in focus in their professional work. We're also this year, as I said, seeing a lot more younger people, which is uh, very delightful to us, people in their 20s and 30s, um, who again are looking for 
uh, I would say that what they have in common is a very deep desire to be of service in the world and not necessarily knowing what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane, uh, if, some, if someone's in New York, uh, does uh, uh, w- one spirit have a, uh, uh, a service uh, each week or uh, on any regular basis? And if there is a service, what, what is that service uh, like? We don't actually have a, a worship service mm-hmm. every week. Um, we have thought about that from time to time, but um, it has never quite been clear to us what what the focus of that would be. We do have in New York City, but also available through Zoom technology, we have a once-a-month evening of spiritual practice mm-hmm that different graduates are invited to come and offer something, uh, a a meaningful practice to them. And that can range anywhere from centering prayer to uh, an evening of kirtan to uh, guided meditations to various kinds of movement meditation or dance. So we do offer that on a once a month basis. And one of the real changes in our experience with the school has been our introduction of of using Zoom technology so that our uh, distance learners, who we we actually call companion learners, are able to, uh, through audio and video, be present in the in the classroom as the mm-hmm. classes are happening live. Right. And, so, and let, let me ask you, by Zoom technology, uh, you mean like Skype, a Skype-type technology? A Skype-type technology, okay. yeah. We use we use something called Zoom. Yeah, we, we, we're familiar. It's very good. We, we use Skype, but uh, I'm, I'm hearing very good things about it. And I, I think it's underutilized in, in, in medicine, for instance. I was just talking to somebody about you. Uh, in, in Sweden, for instance, you can make an appointment and see a doctor, and it's like $25, and you can see a specialist. You can get them within 45 minutes, and they can, you know, it's more limited what they can do, but you can have a direct interaction like that over Skype or Zoom. Uh, and I was thinking, why not in the spiritual world as well? People, you know, rather than have to go to a, a, a place of worship or whatever, uh, this technology is made for uh, spiritual practitioners and teachers, I would think. So, uh, congratulations to you for being way ahead of the game using it, and and hopefully it, it will. Uh, yeah, even for psychotherapists, anyway, uh, it's it's an easy and quick way to reach people. Yes, and what we have found, because one of the most important dimensions of our program really is the experience of creating spiritual community mm-hmm. and using community in a very intentional way as a crucible for uh, personal work and inner transformation. And what we have found with uh, using this technology is that the experience of community happens much more quickly uh, in the year because we're able to have our, our companion learners visually present with us. We're able to hear their voices in the room, and we 
have people literally from all around the world. We have folks this year from uh, someone is going to be joining us from Norway, people from South, Af uh, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, as well as all over the United States. And the, but they don't just uh, remain companions. You have a certain requirement for them coming to New York uh, uh, during the course of their studies and being with, uh, with the other students. Is that correct? That's correct. At the end of each year, we have a residential intensive that all of our students are required to attend. Very good. Um, Diane, we mentioned the uh, intellectual component, the study component, which I'm sure, you know, comes uh, replete with a wonderful uh, required reading list. We mm -hmm. talked about uh, the exposure to a great variety of practices from different traditions. Uh, in addition to that, you're, you're, you're training people for a ministry. And so there's also uh, sort of hands-on practical uh, skills um, that uh, people who minister have. And I, I know you have a, a quite rigorous uh, curriculum, which is why I have often recommended it to people. Um, it's not, people should know, this is not just uh, a, uh, you know, send in your money and we'll send you a, 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 a certificate <laughs> kind of a ministry that, you know, you have a very rigorous uh, and in-depth program. And part of that is uh, learning some skills to minister in the world. Talk a little bit about that. And in that context, you've had now 16 or 17 years of of people being ordained through the program, where do you find the graduates uh, uh -huh. uh, gravitating to? What are they doing in the world? What kinds of, um, how are they using the skills and, and the knowledge? Sure. Um, first, in terms of the kinds of things that are included in the training, and, and yes, it, it is quite rigorous. It's a two-year part-time program. Um, and in the second year of our training, we introduce uh, many of the kinds of skills that people may be called on to use in ministry, such as creating meaningful life cycle rituals and ceremonies to mm. welcome, welcome a child into the world, to perform a wedding ceremony, to do a funeral or memorial service, to create a gathering for worship. Uh, we put a lot of focus on developing the capacity to listen deeply and to simply be present fully without, as I said earlier, needing to impose an agenda or needing to fix someone else, but simply to truly be present and companion someone through, uh, through their journey. Um, we focus on aspects of spiritual leadership, uh, giving inspirational talks, all of those kinds of skills. In terms of what people do with, uh, with their training, I would say there's a very broad range. Many people these days, it seems, are being drawn to hospice 
and mm-hmm. end-of-life mm-hmm. care um, to various types of chaplaincy work. There are people who have started independent uh interfaith or interspiritual worship communities. We've had graduates who literally have been hired by more traditional churches to be part of their ministerial staff. Uh, We have people who establish uh, spiritual direction and spiritual counseling practices. And we have a lot of people who find that, as I said earlier, the way they do whatever work they were already doing takes on a much deeper and different dimension. Um, We've also had people, uh, a number of our graduates now are involved in a homeless ministry here in New York where they literally on Sundays do worship services in city parks hmm. to, uh, to provide that for people who are homeless. So it's really a, a quite broad range. And our own understanding of ministry really is quite broad. It, it really for us is a verb rather than a title. Right. And is simply to be of service to other people in their spiritual lives, their spiritual development, and uh, in any way that that can truly be helpful. Mm-hmm. Very good. <clears throat> Diane, uh, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, are there any final points that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners? Um. I think the the only other thing that I'd like to share is that in addition to our seminary training and a second flagship program we have in uh, interspiritual counseling, we also do have a broad range of programs each year, shorter programs that are open to the general public. And people can go to our website, onespiritinterfaith.org, and uh, see what we offer and how they might want to experience mm-hmm. what we do. Is that um, for people in New York, or is some of it available online as well? I would say 99% of it is available online as well. Great, great. Wonderful. Thank, thank you so very much for your time. And uh, well, we'll have all the information about the website and all of that posted up on our uh, on our podcast, so uh, people can get that information there, and uh, uh, I, I think it's a it, it's a great program, and I, I personally think it, it's a, a direction religion is is taking now. So uh, you know, I, I, coming together, at least in my in my humble opinion. But uh, thank <laughs> thank you for being a pioneer in that area, and uh, the, the continue the good work. Thank you so much. Thanks, Diane. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Phil.